0: Welcome to Leadership Is No Accident. I'm Andy Robbins from Oyster, the leadership development company. In each episode, leaders from all kinds of backgrounds share their leadership stories. We explore what got them started, what they learned along the way, and what ultimately fueled them to achieve their goals. We explore this and a whole lot more so you can take your leadership game To the next level my guest today is a renowned expert in the world of improving the performance of team leaders philip crockford is the ceo of v teamwork the team leadership development company based in brisbane australia who use a groundbreaking unique approach to help leaders really experience what great team leadership is all about. We discuss this approach and also how the most effective team leaders today are managing in our new hybrid virtual world. Let's hear from Philip. So, Philip, I got to say, I've been so excited and looking forward to our conversation. I think it's just fabulous that you've joined me um, on the podcast.
1: Well, I'm thrilled to be here, Andy. I absolutely am.
0: So, you know, we've got so much to talk about, but what I'd like to start with is your company, V Teamwork. You know, Mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is, you have just got such a truly unique approach to teaching leaders how to lead effective teams and how to be valuable team members. Can you just start by just telling us a little bit about that? OK, oh, well,
1: actually, we're thinking about changing it to V Team Labs. <laughs> That's the current front-running favorite because of the sort of uh, you know, research-based nature of what we do. So the fundamental is that, that we, we've reached the conclusion that, and followed the research from Google, from Harvard, from Holland. Uh, and, and, and it turns out a, f- a few things that the research is showing have led us to design a different way of, you know, bringing leadership skills for people. The, the core of it is, you know, leadership is a lot like riding a bicycle in the sense that you, you can't learn to ride a bicycle reading a great book about it, even though you might get a real thrill or watching exciting videos of the Tour de France, you actually have to put your leg over, get on the pedals, wobble down the road <laughs> and pedal. And so that's the essence of what we, we do is we, we think leadership is not so much an informational learning, it's what we call a dispositional learning. You know, you need a disposition or a mindset, if you like, or an attitude for it. And that's what we, we do, and the way we do it looks, it's quite novel, but it's its really not, once you understand the principle, it's not that big a departure. We give people the opportunity to learn in a, an environment where the consequence of failure is low, but the sense of the stakes is quite high. Mm-hmm. So the environment is where people wanna succeed and win and they're challenged and they're in the hot seat bit of difficulty, but the consequence of of failure is low. And then we also look at the companies and the enterprises we want to serve. And very many of them are global, geographically distributed, and the people work together. So the essence of what we do is we put people in small groups in the game, which, and we use a very popular off the shelf game. uh, It's called Minecraft. Millions and millions of children play it every day and quite a few adults. And we put them in small groups because we find people learn best in very small groups. So nobody gets to hide out and not get a turn. Everybody's in there. group of between four and six people with a coach accomplishing projects together and then reflecting on their progress in the moment. It's a bit like, somebody said, it's a bit like being in the batting cage. You know, if you you don't get that swing right, (laughs) the coach will say, Hey Andy, do you wanna do you wanna try that again? See how you go. <laughs> so uh, uh, does that give you the
0: sense of it? <clears throat> it, it does. And too describing there. You know, at first it sounds incredibly technical. You know, you're talking about dispositions, which I think many people listening would not really understand. And I would say it's something that I've struggled with quite a lot. But then you talk about gaming and Minecraft. You know, and what really caught my attention when we first talked about this many years ago was, you know, you're, you're, you're serving these incredible leaders, project leaders. These are really serious jobs. You know, they got a lot of pressure. And when I heard that you're using a game, an online game like Minecraft, that was like, Whoa. I mean, I talked about unique. I mean, that's totally unique. Say a little bit more about how immersing somebody in that game environment, what is it about a game environment which really provides that, that learning edge? As you said, you, you have to learn how to do it. Tell us about how you do that with, with the game. Now okay. I've had some experience, as you know, but, uh, you know, let, let's go deeper. Okay. Well, let me clear up the
1: thing about dispositions. It is a technical term. So let's just say mindsets, attitudes, or tendencies. It's the difference between can you play the piano versus do you play the piano? Yes, I can play the piano, but I don't play. But yes, I can play the piano. And I do play the piano because I've got a, a disposition, a tendency, an attitude, a mindset that leads me to actually... Use my skills and play, and, and that's the kind of thing we're trying to bring out in people. So like the game said, the beliefs would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, but m- much more to do with actual action because I can believe a lot of things ah. but not act on them. Got it. Got so it. it's much more like if we say, look, if we say somebody has a sunny disposition, we, we, we know that I'm describing a person who tends to be positive and smiley and look on the bright side. And it's just the tendency to act in that way. And if somebody has a, glo- a gloomy disposition, then there's a person, they might be a very nice person, very well-meaning, but they've got a tendency to look on the downside and find out what's wrong. And, you know, like Eey or the donkey, right? Well, <laughs> so, gotcha. so the, the, For the leader, the, the leader, leader needs a disposition to produce certain kinds of conversations in their team. That's what leading's about in many ways. Yeah. and so we look to create that. Now, Minecraft or actually we used to do it in World of Warcraft, which is another popular game, it doesn't matter too much. All it does is have some parallels to the real world. And if we look at your your leader in corporate life today, and we're talking about anything from a technical lead in a software development team who doesn't even have the title of manager or anything, but they have to show some leadership or a scrum master all the way up to somebody who's a director or a VP and has a big accountability, you know, for a big span of control, all of those things, the the, the issues they're up against in life, in their leading life, are things we can replicate in the simulation and, and give them an opportunity. So it can be very simple tasks. Like in Minecraft, it's really basic stuff like, you know, chop down some trees, make an iron sword, fight off the zombies, <laughs> doesn't really matter because human beings are very capable. Uh, in fact, it's part of the human nature. We have to live in a story or a narrative of some kind. Every, every human being lives in a story, which is why we love movies and books. And, you know, we love stories. It's, so, so it gives a chance to be in a, in a little story, but in a self-aware way. So you you, you know, you're an, you're an experienced coach. You you know that what you're doing when you're being a successful coach is you're not advising people and telling them what to do. You're creating a greater self-awareness in them so that new choices and possibilities emerge. And they're the ones who decide to act on them. If you're a successful coach, would I be right? Is that beautifully would said you see
0: you work that, that way? certainly is mm. my goal. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not not it. And I often think, oh, well, yes, Philip, you can be the coach. What would you advise me to do? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to tell you what. And you do the same, I'm sure. You say, well, it's not about what I'd advise you to do. It's how you're currently looking at it. Could you look at it differently? And if you looked at it differently, would new actions, new possibilities for, for more effective action emerge for you? So we just do that in that game environment in a little microcosm. The advantage of the game is the consequence of failure is low. The other advantage, of course, is we can. If I've got to go and lead a class and a workshop, which I love to do and I've done many times, I've got to fly in there. They've often had to fly everybody in there, or you know, we've got to have the venue and the physical presence is wonderful. But all that's a big, big time and cost, and it's hard logistically. Yeah, yeah. But like, we just finished a group of people. No kidding, there's a film school graduate in Montreal. There is a a product manager from a financial services company in Dallas. There, There was a software developer, developer advocate guy in New Zealand who's working for a German company, a company in Germany. And there's a Uruguayan woman who's a business coach with clients in Latin America, also living in New Zealand. And the fifth one was a guy who's a software development senior engineering manager in Singapore. 12 time zones, a totally diverse group, massive amount of learning together and extremely convenient because it's right on their desk, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, turn it on, do your work with, with everybody and well, then go back to work without a lot of other
0: stuff. Well, you, you're, you're bringing up a number of things for me here, and I'm just going to park one because what you're talking about there is the world that we've been living in for the last 18 months. Of It's been an online world, but I'm going to come back to that. But I just want to finish up on the game because I'm just going to play back what I heard because I think it's really fascinating what you've done here in bringing in these different things together. So what you've got is a cohort of leaders that you're creating assignments within the game that they have to work together, which really, if you like, as you said, creates a simulation. You know, and I've seen so many startups or, you know, products out there where it's, you're, you're trying to replicate someone in a business environment but what you've done is something really unique, which is taking a more familiar gaming environment and then providing the opportunity to practice being a team leader and team member within that environment. Is that a fair description? Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
1: We, we don't need to simulate business. We need to simulate the emotional states that we're in when we're coordinating action with other people. And the, the, the neat thing about the game is it's so unreal. I mean, you, you've seen Minecraft, yeah. right? It's. I think you even complained a little bit, <laughs> quite rightly, that it's kind of like a weird, pixelated, completely unreal thing. Yeah. But it's it, interesting thing is, so that's unreal. But what is real is we still have to, you know, get people to commit to certain courses of action, influence outcomes, deal with it when somebody doesn't know what to do. Deal with the person who knows what to do and has no patience for the rest of the team. Deal with it when there's two different versions of what we should be doing. We spend all our time talking about it and meantime, too late. <laughs> so it's, the, all of those realities that people face, like one guy said to me, he says, you know, I get every day, my day's full of most days surprises and of the not good variety. They're not people saying, Guess what? Something wonderful happened. It's guess what? This didn't go the way we planned. And he said, you know, what what being in Minecraft with with the rest of the team has taught me is how my immediate response in the moment can be better than it has been. And how I can learn a different tendency. And as a result, some of these surprises are handled much more quickly than they were before. So that's, that's all the game is it's, it's just, it's something that replicates the conditions of working together. But we don't, we don't need the, uh, the subject matter doesn't need to be, the subject matter can be anything really. And the mechanics are different.
0: But you've touched on, I I think, incredibly (laughs) important there, Philip, which is a really incredible distinction, which is we don't need to be practicing business the real challenge that people have is interacting with others and being able to have difficult conversations, being able to understand how I show up to others and and what I do that helps me and what gets in my way. And to me, that's a brilliant, brilliant insight because so often we're trying to replicate the business environment and as you and I know, it's it's not the technical skills that get leaders to the next level. It's the soft skills, which really aren't very soft, about how we're able to bring others along with us to achieve, you know, a new future together.
1: Yes. That's you've said it. Very well, we're, uh, we're, we're on the same page, but I really hope that people listening, this is resonating mm-hmm. for them because uh, I call it H2H, human to human. So those are the, I mean, the, the amazing thing about our species is that that is our principal adaptation which has enabled us to not only survive, but to multiply and completely dominate the biosphere, this one species, uh, in fact, to the point where that's actually a risk in itself. But the, the adaptation that we have evolved over, over you know, many generations is the ability to collaborate. Yeah. Even though most of the difficulties in life are to do with difficulties <laughs> collaborating, that's because that's what we do. We're the best at collaboration. And this it's not that the bees and the ants and, and all the other wonderful species in, in the web of life don't do a fantastic job of working together. But, but we can do it And we can invent worlds together because, you know, well, you know, all this stuff, but we live in language. So I focus this work that we do. It's the game is kind of glamorous or different or wow, isn't that amazing? But really, it's much more grounded in how do we just be in in a situation where our tendency and the way our manner of interacting is more visible to us? Because when it's visible to us, we've got a much better opportunity to shift it and change it. In, in ways that are more productive. Yeah, because that's what got me into this in the first place. this whole
0: you know passion for high performing teams, really. <laughs> well, 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 we'll come to that in a minute for sure. But I gotta say whenever I chat with you, Philip, I get so excited because what you're doing is it is truly amazing. But I'm, I'm curious. I mentioned that I had another sort of topic that you'd perked my interest on about the online world that we're now living in or we certainly, oh, yeah. certainly are hopefully leaving it behind to an extent, but I, I think the world has changed from where it was 18 months to where we are now. What have you seen sort of in the team communication sort of sphere in the last year or so Changed. Do you think people have gotten better at it? Are, are we learning? Do you think we've been thrust into this environment where we are all virtual that we're just we're not any better we're just struggling through it. What's your view on that?
1: It's a good question. I mean I'm just my experience from, from conversations with other people sharing their experience is that it' it's actually varies pretty widely there's been some some enterprise especially in the in the tech, tech sphere that long before the pandemic, Were you know everybody is WFH, you know, working from home, and and uh, they're just as good as you know that they're. It's a way of life. The big struggle is is uh, well, the big suffering has been in the people who don't have that opportunity because many many jobs aren't in complex knowledge work, and they're good people, good-hearted people, but they, you know, they're in the service industry. They're, They're just. Their job involves face-to-face contact. That's been devastating. But in the middle that we're talking about, there's a lot of um, enterprises and people that have had, it's, it's been a whole new thing for them, transitioning to WFH and it's been, been thrust on them. And it's presented all kinds of difficulties. What do we do with the kids and blah, blah, blah. And some people have thrived and, and many people have suffered and, and, and the rest have a bit of a mixture of both. And I don't mean to be too general, but that's, that's kind of my observation. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing it has done. I think it's it, a lot of people have caught sight of an opportunity. Like I've got a good friend. He's, he's a clever guy. Uh, you know him, but we, we won't name him. But I'll, he's, um, you know, he's really good at IT. And he's so good that he's worked in the mergers and acquisitions space where, you know, if one company is acquiring another, they've got to look at what their IT capabilities are and that's a big job, but you've got to have a big brain and you've got to work fast and you've got to work with a lot of people. So he's operated in that space. This working from home is being forced on him. And, and now it's like working from home with vaccinations in developed countries. There's a possibility of people moving back to the workplace. And he's one of many who said, look, I do a really good job working from home. And I love the opportunity to be around my young kids rather than jumping on a plane, being away four or five nights out of seven. And I don't think I want to go back to that. I think there's quite a number of people who've actually learned to uh, adapt to that. And they, they're they right for actually for V Teamwork because we can show them things about that, that not about the your technology and your meetings. There's all this, you know, the interwebs is full of 10 handy tips to keep your um, team engaged and water cooler conversations online and, that's great. You know, don't, don't do rude things when you're on camera. That's all, all good. But, but beyond all that, there's still this inner journey of being a more, more aware, more choiceful leader and team member in those human to human interactions. Yeah, And uh, I think that's where the, the, that's, that's created a big awareness and a big opening, I think. Sorry, long answer to, to short oh, question, no, but that's great, what I think is going
0: on. Great answer. And I'm curious. So, I mean, this is the world that you live in. You talk to leaders who are leading teams, often online every day. And you mentioned, you know, some people are, are thriving, they're doing well. A lot of people are struggling. What do you, I mean, what do you see? Are there one or two things or some themes that those people that are doing well are doing that those that are struggling are not. So let me elaborate on on, on that. So um,
1: I I think, I like the way you put it. Some are struggling, some are not. What's what's the difference? What are, are there any differences? So you always, with that question like that, so like I wanna give a useful answer to people. Mm I would say that what's going on is that the people who are thriving have, what does Carol Dweck call them? The, uh, the two different mindset. mindsets. Yeah, they've got more of a growth mindset. Yeah. But what that translates to me, I take it a step further and say, they they see a learning opportunity in there. And yes, there's ups and downs, but fundamentally they, they see a challenge that has something in it for them. Gotcha. Whereas- the other ones have a mindset that this is a real inconvenience and who's to blame them, you know? Who's to blame them? Because if you got like a, a, a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old at home that you didn't have, how the hell do you get some work done during the day? Because kids will yeah. be kids, you know? Oh, totally. Uh, it's, it, you know, so it's that, it's that kind of thing, but it, it's fundamentally to do with their mindset. And I would say it's, it's uh, I would say this because it's what I care about, but we base our, our, our work on some very good research that shows that teams that have learning practices are actually operationally, they perform better than teams that don't. Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, we don't have time to learn. We've just got a lot of stuff to do. The job is to get it done. But what, what the research shows is that teams have, that have what we call team learning practices, and there are a set of conversations, we, we bring it down to about five, a set mm-hmm. of conversations that that are engaged in with some regularity, they're the teams that actually they perform better because the the team learning practices tend to move people towards psychological safety, towards being safer to speak up. Like, you know, Google with their big project, what they showed that, you know, there's all these theories for years and years that, you know, to make a good team, it's some kind of personality mix. You know, one one deep voice squared jaw leader, you know, one egghead strategist kind of person, a few little worker bees who like to be told what to do. I'm exaggerating, of course, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. one coach uh, and you put them together and you have a team and there's still many millions spent on all these analyses and, and really what Google said, well, none of the data supports any of that. And it doesn't matter the discipline, how long they've been together, what, you know, personalities. It's simple on the teams that perform well, two things. One is people speak up mm-hmm. a lot, take turns, even the quiet ones, it's safe to speak and they do a lot of it. And, and the other thing is people on the teams that, that people want to belong to, that perform well, are, they're, more, they're more emotionally aware. And, and, and that doesn't have to be they're wonderfully touchy-feely, highly developed people. It's just that, that they're aware of the common sense fact that in any conversation, the mood we're in has a bearing on the outcome. It's just like that. And yeah. so I think those kind of awarenesses are what's needed in the working from home situation. They're needed in the face-to-face, but a keen awareness of those really helps, I think, in the remote
0: work. Got it. Now, that's that's fantastic. And, and you know I like what you said about C- Carol Dweck and the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Because the nice thing about Carol's work is you can choose the mindset that you want to take on as it were you, you're not born into one or the other. yes it's a choice which says we can mm-hmm. all always get better at something with a growth mindset. So that's very optimistic and that's some great advice for I think many people as you said who it wasn't their choice but they were thrust into this world and this is I think a world that to a large extent we're gonna retain so. You know, we've talked a lot about online and gaming and, you know, we've talked about how this our world's changed. You know, I'm curious, going back to your human sort of part, you've worked with many, many, many leaders now. What would you say is the big shift, the most common shift that you see in people Coming out from your program because you've talked about you've got a really great learning environment. Is you know is there a big learning that they come away with after your program? What what's the shift that you see?
1: Well, okay, so big big picture, like like just trying to put a big picture on it. Yeah, I would say that they feel more confident that and experience themselves as being more effective in. In workplace conversations, so I, I could narrow that down some more into some examples. Yeah, but that's the thing that they most commonly report to us is they they handle things better. See, we use we use an agile development format in our work. Well, you you know about software development, right? I mean, it's your your, your yep. field. So so you know that the unit of work in software development is a thing called the, the user story, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something like as a whatever my role is i want to be able to make this move with the system and it will produce this result so that i can do this with it it's something like that yep. so we all our participants come we we coach them to to develop some teaming and leadership stories so it be something you know um like uh, i could almost read one off that's right here but you know uh as an admin assistant, when I'm in conversation with my boss, I want to be able to articulate problems and solutions in an efficient manner, so that my boss understands me completely and does not think I'm slow. You know, on the uptake. That's a kind of raw story, but that's a really good, a really good example of a, a typical workplace story. But it might be equally something like you know, uh, as the B, as the VP of asset management. In conversations with our major contractors, I want to be able to get them to take more of a long-term perspective so that, um, you know, we can, we can get a, a satisfactory outcome that's in line with that strategic plan. That's a much more high-level thing than – sure. but it's the same thing. We, we give them a story or they get a story that they bring to work on. And what they report is at the end of the time with us, which isn't you know, anything from five to 15 weeks, that they are definitely more confident in their ability to engage in that, in that conversation with a better outcome.
0: Well, I'm going to push you a little further and be a little more specific. So you said they feel okay. more confident. What makes them feel more confident? What is it? What's the change that takes place? Well, they've done
1: it. It's, it's learning by doing. What, what builds confidence is, is that they've practiced and they've had feedback from the coaches uh, and yeah. they've had feedback from their peers. See, when we get the five people in a team in our little environment in Minecraft together, at the beginning of the section, mm-hmm. we say, okay, choose a leadership order. You're all going to get a turn to lead for about 12 minutes, 15 minutes. So choose the order right now. And even there, in the, even in that, even in that conversation of choosing the order, it's very revealing. And the coaches take the opportunity and point that out.
0: who's yeah. the
1: person who said, "Who wants to go first? Which is a very loud way of saying, "It's not me, but it's one of you guys." You know what's that about, right there? <laughs> so, so we do that. Then they pick. Then they pick their order and say, "Okay, Andy, is you're you're off first. Your uh, your time starts now. We we suggest you brief your team." put a stake in the ground, tell them how far you want to get with the mission, which you've all read and away you go. And at the end of that uh, 12 minutes, we say, okay, let's just call time. And uh, before we carry on, if we're in the middle of all the zombies, we just teleport the team to safety, <laughs> to the debriefing room, which is kind of they go, oh, here we are. But then we'll say, look, Andy, before we change leaders, can we just do a little debrief? And can you tell us what mood you found yourself in? And what was your biggest challenge of the last 12 minutes? And, you know, how does this fit with your story? And it's only a couple of minutes, but you you have this really big opportunity to reflect on what you've just done. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that if Julie's about to lead next, and Tom and Kai and the other team members, they're listening really intently to what you've learned because they were there with you and they're deeply curious as you would be about them yeah and, and and so we say any anything you'd like to pass on to the next leader this yeah, is what's build right. their confidence because th- at the end of the coach at the end of that little getting your debrief the, by the second session the coach will say andy would you like some feedback from any of your team members or the coaches yeah and you might say no i don't want any feedback but most people say ah, ah, yes <laughs> yes please <laughs> and it's that you can imagine, right? And so th- then we say, great. If you have some feedback for Andy, uh, use the script because we don't want people just rambling on and it's difficult giving. So we have a nice structured script. Andy, I have some feedback for you. I'd like to hear it. Great. Da 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 And we tell sure. you. That. So you've had that feedback and that's what builds your confidence because you've sort of been through the fire of, of learning about your own action. I'm I'm sorry to go back, but you said, I'm answering your question, which was, Mm -hmm. what is it that, why are they more confident? It's because they've done it, they know they can do it, and they've had some feedback about it.
0: Does that make sense to you? You're totally uh, answering my question. And what you're bringing up for me is, I think another really terrific uh, distinction, it's very important, which is feedback is super helpful. And I say to folks, getting feedback is a gift. And not all feedback is equal. Getting quality (laughs) feedback is so important in our work environments. I see this all the time where I ask for feedback on clients and, you know, what do you think of Andy? Well, he's great. Well, (laughs) what makes him great? Well, I don't know, but he's, he's a really good guy to work with or he's a jerk but we're not great at giving feedback. But what you're highlighting to me is you've created an environment to provide high quality feedback. Uh, and that is a game changer. So I love that. I'm gonna shift well, a little bit here. For oh, us. Sorry, can I just tell you something really quick? Sure. Sorry,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to tell you about this because we've been really focused on this. And in fact, in our second course, we really focus on how to give good feedback. So if, if say Ralph, decides to give you some feedback on the script, Ralph can expect to get coached by the coaches I'm giving feedback. So if he's rambling on too much and, and you're not getting the point to say, so what are you telling Andy that, you know, if he was better prepared, he'd get more out of the team? Yes, great. Tell Andy now, please. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, it's, it's a bit like psychodrama, but we, you know, Ralph will then get to say, don't tell me as the coach, T- tell Andy. Okay. And again, it's that kind of really high quality in the moment practice yeah. that people are getting that gives them the confidence that we're, which we're seeking. Sorry, I, I, well, and I'm sure I, I just probably, want to tell you I was excited.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. And, and yeah, you know, I'm sure everybody listening in can just feel the passion that you have for this topic. It's one of the reasons <laughs> why I love conversations with you, Philip. So let's let's change tack a little bit here. So we just talked about, actually, you're really passionate about teamwork and team leaders. I'm I'm imagining, if I go back to when you were a a schoolboy, you didn't go and someone said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I (laughs) want to be somebody who works with team leaders. (laughs) Where did this passion come from? How how did you get there? Or how did you get to
1: where you are today? I was probably more like Jimmy Page, you know, I was, there's an interview of Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin when he's 12 years old about how he, you know, he wanted to be a guitarist or something, you know. I want to be a rock musician. In fact, I was, in, uh, you know, in my early 20s, back when I had hair and such. But, look, it's a funny thing, Andy. Uh, I always had a pull towards, just because of some early experiences I had, sharing... Something useful with people is like a big thrill for me. It's just—it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a, an innate passion to yeah. to to teach, not to lecture. It's actually actually the real passion is to make connections for people that they couldn't see before. If I can bring a moment of insight to somebody, you know, like to yeah. join the docs yeah. and get a light to go on, I, I love that. What I got drawn into was what uh, what we call complementary and alternative medicine, healing, body work, that kind of stuff. I got to be really good at that for a, a decade. I worked with uh, muscles, and I got to teach people, and then I got to teach the people who teach people. And in, in there, I got really engaged with, with the study of learning. Mm. Uh, at the time, there was a thing called super learning where you played Baroque music with a certain number of beats per minute and, 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 you know, they would supposedly align the brain waves to learn information better. And I've just always been fascinated with, with how we learn and, and we're doing some good, you know, helping people yeah. really. I mean, that's, you know, if you get, if somebody uh, gets on your massage table and they've got all these aches and pains when they get, when they get up and afterwards and they, they move better and feel better, that's a pretty good feeling. So it's always been that study of the human being, what, what makes us work, what makes us whole, what we're in life for. And that's been the passion for me. And, and, and just and some accidental thing when I returned to Australia in 1990, after living for the, in the US for about, I don't know, a bit over a decade, I just was in a situation w- when I got to sort of facilitate a meeting and make a meeting go better. And it gave me such a thrill. A- and I sort of thought, oh, well, <laughs> I love doing this. So I sort of became, you know, a management consultant of kinds Focus, and the obvious focus there is leadership development and, yeah, just one thing led to another. So for me, it's quite a clear trajectory, but it's always been that pull of wanting to join the dots for people. Like creating understanding and connection for people is kind of like a... I don't, know, I don't want to get too exotic, but it's kind of like a healing and yeah. and um, if you're going to be on the planet to do some good, you know do the good that you can and the, and the way you can and so that's that's how it is for me and I just seen that there's so many people working complex knowledge work but these technical skills they're, they're very short shelf lives now because because okay. they ch- the technology changes so fast but the durable what? Josh Person, the, uh, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. HR guru, yeah. what he calls the durable skills or, or soft skills, they're actually hard. They're, that's where it's at. And, I, 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 and that's, that's the core of being human. The core of being human is, is being a being who can grant other beings the right to, to exist, the right to their point of view and, and find a way forward together. And, and so I'm just doing what I love to do, but in, in a great environment.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you exude that passion in every conversation that we have. That's for sure. Um, I have one last question for you. I mean, this has just been mm-hmm. a terrific you know, set of insights, but imagine that I'm a, a new team leader. You know, I was a successful individual, maybe one once upon a time that was me. Now I've just been promoted to lead a team. What piece of advice would you give me? Well, I would say
1: now you're in a position of leadership, focus on vertical development. And I'd have to explain to you what that was, but it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. It means focus on growing your ability to navigate in the world of leading people to see yourself as not as on a road or a path or building a building but like in a boat (laughs) where you've got waves and you've got currents and you've got wind and you know and you've got the destination and so be a learner be a learner and, and aim for what we call vertical development i've already gone past the one piece of advice haven't i but but vertical development is like horizontal development is learning techniques Ah. you know some management techniques like conflict resolution you know go to a workshop and get a certificate in conflict resolution get a six sigma black belts get a learn how to delegate Learn how to manage a budget they're all really important they're all horizontal technical aspects of being a leader vertical development is different it's growing your ability to navigate in complexity, which means emotional self-awareness, be, being aware of yourself, not self-focused, yeah. but being aware of your power to choose in any given environment. And the way to achieve that is, is uh, there's three, three aspects. One is heat experiences. Put yourself, look for, look for the heat, look for situations where the, cha- the challenge is on. People are watching and it's not very comfortable. Heat, look for colliding perspectives, look for opportunities to say, this is how I see it and be curious about how other people see it and, and take their perspectives into mm. account. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the third aspect of vertical developments, heat experiences, colliding perspectives and fancy word, but it's not too difficult. It's called elevated sense making, which means take the time to reflect. Better still, you know, find a coach and reflect with a coach because it'll go much faster, or reflect with colleagues or a buddy or a mentor, or just by yourself. But get is put yourself in the heat, take other people's perspectives into account, and and make sure that you uh, take time to make to reflect and make new sense of things. Now that's a lot, isn't it? Uh, you said oh, oh. what's the one one piece of advice, but that's the best yeah. I can do. <laughs>
0: That's a masterclass in itself. <laughs> amazing. Well, I, I want to thank you for your time here today. I mean, as always, it the conversation's been a pleasure. And what you bring to the world truly is amazing. I mean, every time I get the opportunity to talk with you, it's just so obvious the 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 talent and the insights that you have and the work you're doing truly is helping leaders be more human to human and developing those skills to really help them get long lasting success as you've talked about. So thank you for sharing those with us.
1: Andy, it, it's a pleasure. It lights me up to do it. And uh, you know, I've, I've got a big vision for this. I don't just wanna be doing this work. I really want to generate this as a, a whole new way of operating. And, and and, and you know, we're trying to develop a, a technology platform to make it easier. I don't want to be I'll, like, I'd like to give this to the world in a bigger way. And to do that, I'm, I'm going to need a team around me and people who are much smarter about, you know, investment and technology and all that. But that's the dream. And but, you know, I'm, I'm buoyed up by contact with people like yourself who who uh, you know cheering me on <laughs> and we don't wanna do it with you, but we think you're onto something. So keep going, you know? And, and I, I really value that uh, a great deal. It's, a, it's, it's a massively helpful. So thank you for the opportunity, mate.
0: Well, you're welcome. You're doing great work. So looking forward to maybe having you on again in future. And you can tell us about uh, where you are then, but uh, it's been a real privilege. So thank you. To learn more about Philip, and how to take your team leadership game to the next level, check out the links for V Teamwork in the show notes. To listen to other leaders' stories, go to oyster.team forward slash podcasts. You can subscribe to this show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is produced by Kai Helberg, and is managed by Oyster, the leadership development company. Thanks for listening, and leadership is no accident.